welcome to episode 95 of Sack King's Therapy. We're almost five more to 100. And in this episode, me and Fong, uh, my co-host, are going to go through the top five. Uh, keep, I keep like flubbing my words on what I want to call it. Top five losses or bot, worst five losses? Mm, I don't know. The five losses I chose were kind of more personal than like, you know. The five worst that we had this season, to be honest. Yes, yeah, same thing with me. Uh, like, I, I don't know, like, what to call it. I, we'll just call it, bo- like, bottom five losses. Will be what I'll title it anyway. But, anyways, uh, we did top five wins last uh, episode. Unfortunately, we got to balance that out with some losses. So, me and Fong are going to pick five games that we thought were the worst losses of the season. Uh, in no particular order, of course, and we're going to just quickly talk about them. Um, so it, without you know further ado, let's get it started. Uh, so my first one is Kings versus Warriors on January 4th. This is the infamous game after the War of the Dads uh, of uh, De'Aaron and Marvin. And Marvin Sr., I think, went on Twitter. I don't remember the exact tweet, but it was something along the lines of Luke Wong's an idiot. Or he had been retweeting a lot of tweets that basically called Luke Walton an idiot, and he said he wanted his son traded uh, from the team, and Marvin C, or no, uh, De'Aaron's dad, Aaron Fox, that's pretty funny, uh, Aaron Fox went online and called uh, Marvin's dad an idiot, and so this was right after the game, so this game was right after that, and Marvin even did a, a press conference right before it, basically not bothering to answer any questions about this feud. Um, what else do you remember from, like, I guess before this game? If you remember anything? Because it was a while ago. I don't know. Besides the fact that Kelly Oubre all of a sudden became a better three-point shooter that game, yeah, that game wasn't uh, too pretty when <laughs> you know that arguably not so great three-point sh- uh, shooter uh, that season just all uh, all of a sudden became like better for some reason well we'll get to why he got better but um yeah so marvin in this game played horrible like he's shot two for nine only at five points but did have nine rebounds i'll shout him out for that but three turnovers, and they were ugly turnovers. Like, I think one specifically that I remember sticking on my mind was when he literally, like, got the ball and, like, got the ball, I think, on the perimeter and decided to just post up Draymond Green, of all people, and just drops the ball because he just can't handle uh, Draymond in the post. And, yeah, it was just a bad game for him. Um you know, of, of course, the ir- irony of this coming right after when your dad wants you to play somewhere else because he doesn't think that Luke is playing him to strengths. And yeah, he, the three turnovers, ugly turnovers. And on the other side, got just hunted on, on offense. They ran the whoever offense when he was out there. Like Steph, like, you know, has, you know, the highlight of, you know, caught, like dribble, 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 step back three. And the and this it wasn't just that it was the entire team just hunted him on defense and on offense they they basically kind of forced the ball to Marvin or like say okay you know go go ahead try and score against us and yeah it was just ugly yeah I mean here's how it is having one of the best defenders on both Rashawn and Marvin at times but you know 
it, yeah, it wasn't really great of a game for our bigs, and I, I feel like it should have, in a way, if we could have avoided Draymond at at like most costs. Uh, it's a little trickier than that, but but you know, Wiseman wasn't bad this game either. Like Wiseman, unfortunately, had pretty bad games against us. Um, well, he had one pretty bad one against us, but yeah, he, this was one of the also rare games where James Wiseman was like a a straight up like positive. He's had an up and down season, but it was just not a pretty game. And uh, Fox um, talked about this game, uh, I think, in the press conference, like saying, no, the comments didn't bother us. He even went on all the smoke. Uh, I think about a week, like a few days after this, and basically said, no, it wasn't because you know of the of the comments. We just played like ass. But I don't know. I I remember looking at this game like, what the hell were these guys doing? Because they had just lost two tough games against Houston. And, like, in those games, they looked good. They just couldn't close it out. And this game, they just come out, like, no offense, no life, no energy. Just, yeah, just fell flat on their face. Um, also, no one on the Kings really shot well. Like, that, it's not really just a Marvin thing. Like, De'Aaron had 18 points, but 7 for 17, 2, two for 4 from the free throw line, 2 for 4 from 3. Buddy Heal, you know, the usual Buddy Heal stat line, 3 for, three for 12 and 3 for 11 from 3. It's just it's just what Buddy does, and yeah, no one had a good game. Yeah, it's just one of those nights again that we hope to bounce back the next game. Uh, actually, what what is the next game after that? Uh, we did beat the Chicago Bulls, and that was the famous well, not famous, but uh, T- Tyrese had a sidestep three in the corner to ice the game. No, that's what I remember. But it's not much. It's not much prettier after that. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Um. As I mentioned, Steph and Steph, like, well, I didn't mention it, but Steph had a decent game. I actually thought, I actually thought he shot a lot better, but he only shot five for twelve. Um. However, the rest of the team was, you know, nasty. Uh, fifty percent from the field, fifty-three percent from three. Yeah, they were rolling. And even uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Eric Pascal even had a good game. Like, um, Tim Kawakami always makes fun of his jump shot, call him the Dolphin Lake jump shot. And uh, yeah, he hit two for three from. You know, because he can't this game. Um, <laughs> yeah, and as I mentioned, U- Ubre shot well from three this game. He was two for 30 before this game. And, of course, he like just this randomly decided to make four for six um, against the Kings because the Kings defense, especially against three-pointers, hot fucking trash. And, uh, yeah, he only managed to make three or more threes for six more times the rest of the season. Yeah, it's just one of those things with the Kings defense. They just let guys get comfortable. And we'll we'll talk about another game that where they let the other team get real comfortable. Um anything else you want to say about this game? Mm. Uh not really. Besides uh, I remember hearing from Rashawn Holmes uh on a podcast uh, road tripping about um, you know, what happened between uh Marvin Bagley's dad and uh Jaron Fox's dad. Um I, all I heard was the players uh, just brushed it off and, you know, joked around about it. And, you know, we still had that great chemistry within the players, but it, it, I feel like there's something, you know, that we need to fix in terms of uh, how we kind of, like, show up to games, I guess you could say. I mean, again, we always talk about it. Somebody needs to be the Iman Shumper. Like, someone kind of needs to call this shit out. And just like, you know, I guess make guys a little bit uncomfortable because I feel 
like it's everyone's buddy buddy and that's good like everyone's kind of cool with each other there's no beefs in the locker room or anything like that but like in a situation like this somebody needs to maybe go up to marvin and say hey you got to tell your dad to shut up on twitter like he th- like this shit is just a distraction to the to the team and it doesn't help anybody other than marvin's dad I, like i said this like you know almost yeah, six months ago from now basically like yeah it doesn't help anybody like this saying you want to get traded if you want it if you want more minutes you got to prove yourself out there like you got to just play better play your role and stuff like that i guess like you know it's nice that everyone gets along but somebody it, there needs to be another a little bit more of a balance the other way there needs to be another guy that kind of sets everyone straight i see hmm Okay, what was your first game? Well, in no particular order, again, for me. Uh, My first game was uh, against the Wolves on April 20th. (laughs) Uh, For pretty much the first three quarters, um, you know, pretty competitive game. And, of course, you know, for both sides, there was really no defense. between those three quarters is all up to the fourth quarter, which uh, <clears throat> the Kings pretty much uh, fell off. I felt like we weren't hitting any shots. We had a very long, you know, dry and drought st- uh, streaks that uh, we couldn't keep up. And, uh, you know, looking at the box score, I got to say, uh, we we didn't have Rashawn this game, of course. So we had to play Hassan a lot, a lot more, which... I felt like we shouldn't. We played Hassan about 24 minutes. And, you know, we, we could have thrown in some more met two minutes or even Damian Jones because we just uh, recently acquired Damian Jones. And uh, this game, met two uh, hit, you know, eight for 12 for 16 points just off the bench with uh, about 17 minutes. And, you know, he was playing a really great game. And I felt like we could have uh, played him more. Um, other than that, you know, Tyrese also didn't have a uh, too grave a game off the bench, but you know he did facilitate the offense as well. Um, you know, Fox uh, didn't hit most of his mid ranges because he he also didn't play so well. And same with Buddy Hill, you know, it's another Buddy game where uh, he didn't really hit many threes, especially during uh, clutch time in the fourth. Well, he only shot threes, and uh, yeah, if you look at his field goals, three for 11, and three-pointers, three for 11. Uh, Yeah, we talked about this a little bit before we recorded. I don't remember this game for some reason. I just don't. Uh, Maybe I just, like, mentally blocked it out of my mind. But now that that, um, I thought thought about it, like, yeah, I remember this being a very bad De'Aaron game, because... You know, he shot five for 17, and it's just one of those games where he just didn't have it. And, you know, got to shout out, like, Josh Okogie and Jaden McDaniels. Like, you know, Josh Okogie defended him pretty well for for most possessions. And Jaden McDaniels, I really – I was very skeptical about him coming out of the draft. We did a draft show on him, and we were saying, like, maybe we should think about trading back to get him. But the issue was with him was, like, oh, maybe attitude issues. Like, you might not want to mess with that, and he's probably going to be a project. But he, like, specifically defended De'Aaron really well. Like, De'Aaron, I don't think, scored once on him this game. I don't remember exactly, but he was he was really good this game and just yeah, a really good defender. And you know, I've listened to some uh Wolves podcast with, you know, John Krasinski, and he says uh Jane McDaniel is actually a really good defender. 
Like that was like the surprising thing of him this season. And yeah, just kind of want to shout him out. Yeah. He also played pretty well against us too. Yeah. I think it was during the third quarter where, you know, Darren tried, uh, you know, pushing for shots and trying to draw fouls and, you know, Jane McDaniels did guard him well and, you know, kept Darren Fox to only, let's see, two for three free throws, which I think during this time we went, we asked Darren for more, I felt. Again, just one of those games where, like, part of part of it was Jane McDaniels playing really well, but he was, like, really trying to draw contact and just kind of wasn't getting foul calls and you know, so you get some of those games, but I mean, this game like is the D'Angelo Russell game, you know, 10 for 13 for 28 points on a minutes restriction, I believe, because he only played 25 minutes, which looks kind of weird and mm-hmm. off the bench. But yeah, like he, I remember him exploding in the fourth and yeah, the Kings defense just could not, you know, keep up with him for whatever reason. And uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, on to my second game. Uh, my second game is way earlier in the season. It's Kings versus Raptors, uh, January 8th. So this was uh, four days after the Warriors game. So in between, as I mentioned, we had a really nice win against the Chicago Bulls. Um, and it looked like, you know, the Kings were kind of getting back on track. But unfortunately, well, at least for the first and second quarter, it looked like they were getting on track. Kings ended up scoring 40, what should have been 46 points, but they wiped out a three because uh, Tyrese stepped out of bounds. Uh, So, yeah, Kings scored 43 points in the first quarter, and I think the uh, Raptors scored 31, if I remember right. It was something in the 30s. But after that, there wasn't really any positive because, man, the Raptors got hot from the three-point line and they just absolutely like took us took us to school basically if they basically said if you're not going to guard us out here we're just going to keep shooting these and they just kept making them and uh, on my notes here basically it's i'm saying that defense just became more and more optional as the second quarter began and all the way till the fourth um on offense for the kings ball movement just continuously just you know like just got worse and worse in that the, it was basically one pass, maybe like if you're lucky, but whoever brings up the ball, like just takes a screen and tries to score like right there, not even think about passing it to anyone else or like maybe someone else passes to a guy and then the guy attacks with a screen and then tries to shoot it and they just weren't getting anything going. And uh, yeah, I think Doug Christie was even calling it out on the broadcast. Like that's how bad it was. Ah, man, yeah. I think I remember this game being, like, the Fred Van Vliet game, was it? Kind of was. Fred Van Vliet was big, but, like, it wasn't just him. Like, Mm -hmm. it was everyone. Let's see. Well, looking at the bot score, Fred scored 34, and, oh, look, Terrence Davis. I was going to shout him out, yeah. Yeah. I was going to shout him out. Four for eight from three. And scored 18, geez, along with Chris Boucher. 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 (laughs) Uh, scoring 23 just just off the bench too man that bench uh really kept them up and uh yeah we according to the stats uh we didn't really play too great of a last half to you know maintain our lead yeah like it i mean like it's i'm saying like the offense died a death but at the same time like that actually added to the defensive issues because no one else is moving on off or on offense so like they're not exactly ready to get back they're just not in position 
And yeah, it just added to the defensive issues, and it just snowballed. And yeah, we just couldn't withstand the avalanche. And it and I think we were actually relatively close at the start of the fourth. But man, just like bad offense after bad offensive possession, like it just led to open three after open three. And I do remember like Terrence Davis being a very being a beneficiary of these transition threes. Mm. Yeah, other than that, I don't. I was surprised. Like, I didn't really have too many notes about this. I even looked back on the episode we did for the whatever notes I did, but everything was just the Kings just weren't playing defense. And yeah, uh, this was also during the period where Kings were jumping out to big leads and they would just let the other team back in. So I have it in my notes like the Kings needed to go for the kill in the first quarter and they just didn't. Like they were, they were up, you know, double digits, and like the Raptors just looked terrible, and they just let them back in the game because why not? And guess what? <laughs> they just kept getting worse after that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a common theme throughout the whole season, I guess you could say. Okay, what's your second game? Well, my second game, oh well, I'm gonna say it's the 76ers uh, on February 9th. Um, it wasn't a bad game. I I think uh, that game we played real well and uh, you know uh, kept up against you know a playoff ready team. Um, we did fall off pretty early in the first quarter, but came back in the second. Played uh, okay uh, both sides on the third, but it's just uh, you know again the fourth quarter we always fall off. But uh, I just wanted to mention this game uh, just because because this was the first game. Uh, for me coming back from like a hiatus and uh you know of course uh th- this was the start of uh, of uh our first losing streak i guess you could say uh arguably one of the worst in king's history i guess but um we did lose nine games later on in the season as well uh but during this losing streak uh this seven i believe seven let's see it was nine, nine. Straight. yeah n- nine games i felt like we could have won a few of them within uh this streak i i I mean i you could say arguably we could have won against orlando but you know we had no one for vucevic uh we'll 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 get to those games we don't need to talk too many about like that many games but like yeah uh, um we'll just stick with this game for now but like I mean, this game was good. Like, it was a very back-and-forth game. And in the fourth quarter, like, this was, you know, I guess the emergence of Matisse Dybul. Like, Matisse Dybul kind of shut down Fox in the fourth. Mm-hmm. Like, they they had, like, you know, uh, Ben Simmons and uh, basically, like, Danny Green and everyone else on Fox. And Fox was unstoppable in the first three quarters. They kind of dust off Matisse Dybul because Matisse actually doesn't play that much, surprisingly. But they put him they put him on Fox and he kind of shut him down for the fourth. And, you know, he did. I, I will I will say he did have a very brutal foul that was not called on Deere. And that that was kind of the beginning of the end uh, for the Kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From the Kings side, uh, our bench did play just. I wouldn't say OK. I mean, it's, it was only all Tyrese, to be honest. And uh, other than that, I, all I remember was from this game was. Uh, Buddy Heald was like chucking freeze no matter what throughout uh, this whole game and you know even though he hit 6 for 16 it, it's just very streaky for us oh I remember very specifically he was like 6 for 10 I think at one point like he was shooting a very good percentage and then just did not make anything else like the rest of the game mm. 
were very specifically about that. But yeah, I mean, the, it's just what. Um, also, want to shout out Marvin for this game. Marvin like uh, played really well <laughs> against Joel Embiid, which really surprised me. Like Rashawn only played 22 minutes. I uh, oh yeah, foul trouble. That's why. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Like, I mean, he he stepped in, guarded Joel Embiid, and actually had a, a good string of possessions against them. But ultimately, Embiid is just too damn big for anybody on the Kings. And mm-hmm. yeah, he kind of just had a, had a, you know had his way like later and later in the game. But yeah, again, this was the Matisse Thybul versus De'Aaron Fox fourth quarter. Like that that was where the game got away from us. Okay, anything else you want to say about this game? Uh, also, if you want to talk about the losing streak, you can now, but I will, yeah. you know, a little spoiler, but I do have one of those games included. Oh. That's one of my three. Let me check real quick. Uh, okay, one of the games uh, you have mentioned isn't part of the losing streak, but all I can say is, uh, you know, during this losing streak, we did lose Met 2 uh, during the Memphis game because, you know, the Jonas Valanciunas uh, little mishap but yeah other than that one of the toughest losing streaks i got to witness as a kings fan oh yeah don't worry there's more to come uh anyways so you mentioned this game you mentioned that we could have won this game and i think we should definitely should have won this game like i don't know how we ended up dropping it but kings versus magic on february uh 12th and this was a game that Oh, it was right after the Sixers game, and uh, the Magic were coming off of a back-to-back where they just lost a kind of a close one to uh, the Warriors. So like they're pretty war, they don't they are pretty worn out. And if they lost this game, like nobody would have blamed them because they lost a tough one against the Warriors and probably coming in a little worn out. But instead, they kind of come in, you know, they have a decent game, like you know, decent first half against us, like. Um, Kings kind of just come out with no sense of urgency at all or any form of uh, energy. Uh, Fox was out during this game, and everyone at the time was th- saying on Twitter, it's, a, it's time for a big Halliburton game. But unfortunately, he just wasn't there yet. We do see games like this later on in the season, and that's when Halliburton kind of figures out how to kind of orchestrate and attack and run the offense. But at, the, but at this point in the season, he was not ready just yet. Um, another note I have was that the Kings bench was actually really good, but the starters really sucked. Um, the, one of the reasons why the, the starters have such big minuses is because at the start of the third, when the starters were in, Michael Carter Williams kind of just went off against us for no reason. Um, so I, char- I think I, I think this is I think this is correct, but I charted the possessions. Michael Carter Williams uh, at the start of the third. Assi- either scored or assisted on five of seven magic possessions. Two of those possessions ended up in and ones, and one of them ended up in a three. And that was when the game got away from us. And yeah, it, I remember it just being just so ugly because Michael Gordon Williams wasn't exactly doing anything crazy or anything. He just literally did the exact same play every single, like all, all of those times and just scored on the Kings. And the Kings just looked clueless on how to do anything to stop it uh, yeah i i remember that stint too uh it seemed like yeah no one no one knew how to stop him and uh you know to be honest i i don't think uh, michael carl williams isn't or 
we could have definitely stopped him, to be honest, uh, to, you know, win this game. Yeah, and the other guy we couldn't stop at all was Nick Vucevic. Like, he, he just, he, I mean, 42 points, uh, like, just easy 42 points on 22 shots. Like, there was just no sense of urgency to guard him. Like, and and again, like, you know, the Kings defense is not known for being good, but like the, the way they guarded him, like they just let him get, first of all, like get, you know, he could roll, he could pop and they just, he's, they just let him do whatever the hell he wanted. And only 22 shots, like 42 points on 22 shots was just, you know, just an example of just how goddamn easy it was to score in the Kings defense. Mm -hmm. And again, this was coming after this was coming after a very tough like 76ers game and where like the Kings played them tough and they actually managed to guard Joel Embiid decently well, but like to just like completely fall out, fall on your face against the magic, a depleted magic team that had, didn't have Aaron Gordon, didn't have Matt Markel Fultz. They didn't even have, uh, what's this? Oh, uh, and I think Jonathan Gary, Clark, yeah, Jonathan Isaac. And like, I think Gary Clark got injured during the game. Somebody got injured. Like it might, it might've been James Ennis. Like they had nobody, and the, and they just took it to the Kings, because the Kings just weak ass defense just could not stop anybody. <sighs> yep. First it was Vucevic, next was Mark Michael Carter Williams, and at one point it was Terrence Ross as well. So, yeah, another game where we couldn't show up in terms of uh, playing um, any defense, to be honest. Again. And, uh, you know, in terms of offense, I, I felt like we played a decent game, to be honest. Did we? I, I'm, let me check those shooting numbers. I don't remember shooting that well. But uh, let me check. So fi- let me see. So magic shot. Uh, yeah, we actually did a decent, like, yeah, we played decently. But, like, it's, I mean, when your defense is Swiss cheese the way it is, it, it looks a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Okay, what was your third game? Let's see. My third game, well, I think we have the same game, uh, which is the Pistons on April 8th. I believe I missed this game, to be honest, looking at, back at the notes that we done for this game. And this game was pretty much the Corey Joseph game. <laughs> uh, Corey Joseph scored 10 for 14, 24 points. And, you know... In my opinion, I think we could have won because we had, I guess, arguably a pretty healthy team, excluding um, Marvin Bagley being out. Uh, overall, I think uh, our team, again, same with the Orlando Magic, did okay. It's just uh, in terms of defense, like we, we couldn't stop Corey Joseph for some odd reason. He just kept on driving in and scoring layups like... It was just a, you know, a D-week game, to be honest. I'll I'll break it down in a bit, I'll, but yeah, this was one of my, this was, uh, as you mentioned, on my list as well. I mean, like, I, I honestly didn't mind this game as much, uh, but like, I I mean, I was just so happy for Corey Joseph to give, give Kings fans the middle finger of just like, they thought he was trash and like, just could, was not an NBA player. And then just for him to essentially, yeah, again, put up that middle finger and just t- told the Kings fans to go fuck themselves was so satisfying. But, no, uh, I mean, like, 
I, the Kings play like shit, like 44% from the field, 23% from from three. Like it was an ugly game. And mind you, this won't. This is without Jeremy Grant for them, by the way. Like that's how embarrassing it was. And yeah, the Kings. Uh, it's kind of the same thing with a Magic game. Like just no energy, no sense of urgency. And you mentioned like Corey Joseph played well. Well, one of the reasons why is because Kings just let guys just walk into shots. Like, I remember a very specific play, I think in the second quarter, where Killian Hayes checked in. And Fox is guarding him. Fox gets screened off where he doesn't fight at all to get around the screen. Like, just gets stuck behind the screen. And Rashad doesn't, and Rashad is almost like just perplexed at that and just doesn't, you know, doesn't like rotate over to Killian Hayes, who literally walks to the edge of the paint and just, and just hits a mid-range jumper. It was just so easy. They they let guys just walk to their spots on defense. Just no sense of urgency, no sense of just pride, honestly. And on and then on the other end, like it it was you know the same kind of deal with where you know one pass and then it's somebody trying to score or somebody takes a screen and then tries to score and then the other three guys are just standing somewhere and just not doing anything. One one big highlight from this game is is when um. Aaron crosses uh, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. and he falls down mm-hmm. and he hits a nice little I think I think a nice little layup and then right after <laughs> just gives up a fast break layup for no reason. That basically summarized the game in a nutshell. Uh, I, yeah, we answer and they answer back. It's pretty much the same again, the defense. So. Yeah, hopefully for next season we'll somehow fix this, but for now it's like kind of demoralizing just talking about it again. Uh, yeah, again, just want to shout out Corey Joseph. Corey Joseph looked like Chris Paul this game. Like, again, orchestrating, slowing everything down. And Jason Jones even – I don't know if, like, Corey actually said this, but th- this basically summarized the game in a good way. Corey Joseph basically told his teammates, hey, these guys are soft. You can push them around, and they're not going to do anything to you. And now, and that's kind of one of the reasons why they shot as bad as they did. The, the the Pistons were very physical with a lot of the Kings players, and like, and you know, I hate. To, I know this is a cliche. They just played hard out there and destroyed. And like the Kings just could not respond and destroyed us. And it, yeah, it kind of. And you know, just to kind of you know uh, put the cap on the Corey Joseph game. Corey Joseph hit like daggers down the stretch. Just again, just got to his spots with no resistance, step back jumper, step back like free throw line jumper, like money, and just buried the Kings. <sighs> okay, now that you took away one of mine, so this will actually be my last pick. Um, because, yeah, I had the Pistons um, on my list, but my f- uh, fifth game is Kings versus Hornets, February 28th. This is the infamous eight. So we had an eight point lead with one minute and 14 seconds to go or one minute and 13 seconds to go. And we somehow lost that game. So um, let, let's kind of quickly go over it. Uh, so my main note is Kings played a really good game, played a great 47 minutes of basketball. A good to great. And Kings go up eight with 113 to go, as I mentioned, after a Barnes dunk on LaMelo. 
and good vibes were all all the good vibes in the air at that point like the the, uh the hornaces looked dead in the water like everyone on social media is freaking out like oh here's another win for the kings well uh we ended up losing this game and i actually managed to chart out the entire sequence so i'm gonna quickly go through it so after that barnes dunk uh I think it was Lamello. No, it wasn't Lamello. Somebody passes to Lamello. Fox steals the ball. Lamello commits a flagrant on Fox. Fox misses both free throws. So, yeah, keep that in mind. Um, on the on the possession, because it was a flagrant, we get two free throws and the ball back. Marvin gets blocked by Lamello, which leads to a Terry Rozier three, who had been terrible the entire game. Um, on the next possession, Bridges fouls Marvin for two free throws. He misses two free throws. And on the next possession, uh, Barnes fouls Rogier from three, who makes all three free throws. The lead is now down to two. Um, on, on the next possession, uh, Fox basically takes a screen and makes a floater to go up four. But Buddy Heald an- injures his ankle. I forgot what happened, but I think he rolled the ankle. Um, on the next play, P.J. Washington hits a three. Uh, lead is down to one with 17 seconds to go. Uh, I think Buddy Heald had re-entered the yeah he re-enters the game. Uh, Buddy ends up getting fouled, misses the first free throw, but does make the second. Kings only lead by two. Holmes <laughs> and on the final possession after that free throw, um, Malik Monk uh, basically crosses up uh, Corey Joseph, and Holmes fouls Malik one for the and one or Malik Monk for the and one, who makes the free throw to win by one. So if you were counting. Kings were one for six from the free throw line during that one minute sequence. And and Hornets, uh, who made who only missed one free throw the entire game, uh, was basically the difference between the game. That's that's some memory lane right there. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, All I remember was P.J. Washington, of, of all people, had one of his best career games against us that's not that's one of us the best career game the, the, i don't even remember his uh, previous career high and yeah after seeing that this game yeah he this this probably is his career high but man, now that you mention it i think his pre i think his previous career high was 29 points and i don't Jeez. remember if it was against the kings but he had a pretty i remember when he came into golden one center last year he had a pretty good game Mm-hmm. Yeah, that ending sequence was not pretty at all, and let's just say I probably don't want to talk about it anymore because it's a uh, it's that ugly. Well, it's okay, so I'll talk about it, but because <laughs> uh, I mean, again, this game was a good game. Like we played them very well, and unfortunately, the other Hornets game is kind of the same thing. You just play like 46 minutes, 47 minutes of good Kings basketball, and you just blow it in the end but by just being the Kings. Like Jason Jones like talked about this in his article. Like he doesn't he didn't even he doesn't blame DeAaron and Marvin for missing those free throws, but like it was in it was an all-out clown show for the entire team. Like, De'Aaron's not a good free-throw shooter. We already knew that. Marvin's not a good free-throw shooter. We already knew that. Like, but for, you know, established veterans like uh, Harrison and Rashawn to make, you know, pretty boneheaded plays, to be honest, down the stretch, it was an entire shit show from the entire team. And, you know, the, the game shouldn't be pinned as much on, you know, Marvin and 
Fox as much as they as as much as it is. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you this was one of the games where you really could kind of question Luke Walton's coaching because again, Buddy got injured and he and he was the one and he was in like during that last possession to shoot the free throws, which you kind of get because he is the best free throw shooter on the team. But like, I I, I just can't help but just question that um, that decision to put an injured guy back because like, I mean, granted, like it's free throws, like it should be easy. But him missing that free throw just felt like a culmination of just a really bad King season, if you will. But, mm-hmm. you know, like I. Again, I I didn't I remember just like this was one of the times where I legit I mean I was shell shocked after the game but you know we were watching it together and I and when Malik Monk got that and one I was it was like one of the only times I legitimately kind of got just pissed I was just like come on what you actually gonna foul him for an and one like you couldn't like actually foul him instead like Malik Monk's a seventy percent free throw shooter by the way like just man you had to give up the and one on that and just. Yeah, it was just, you know, just one of those unlucky games. And, uh, you know, all the credit in the world to uh, to the Hornets for just sticking with it and just playing hard. Like, uh, and again, LaMelo Ball. Like, I was not exactly high on him, like, coming into the draft. I just didn't like him. Although I I did say at the time, I, although I don't know if I said it to you on the podcast, but if I had the number one pick, I would have gone with LaMelo. But, like, LaMelo this game was pretty damn good. Like, one of the main things I was, like, kind of worried about him coming in was that, like, oh, you can just sag off of him, and, like, he can just, and he can't do anything. But, like, you know, he has shooting ability, but also just the incredible handle, like, that just, like, he ISOed on Belly for multiple possessions, like, when they when Belly switched on to him. Yeah, and, like, he's already figured out how to kind of, you know, run that whoever offense, if you will. Like, he can already ISO and get to the rim. Like, he's a good player, and... You know, I think he's a bit overhyped to a certain degree, but, you know, like, he is a good player. And mm-hmm. you got to shout him out. Oh, yeah, uh, Hornets were 26 of 27 from the free throw line, while the Kings were 10 of 17. We outscored them. We were better than the Hornets in every single way except from the free throw line. And, unfortunately, that was the deciding factor that, you know, uh, lost us this game. <sighs> yeah. Terrible game. <laughs> Okay, let's go to your uh, fourth and fifth uh, games. I'm just going to, you know, quickly, you know, breeze off uh, my fourth one, which is, you know, the Jazz on April 28th. Uh, yeah, other than that, you know, we couldn't answer back their threes and, uh, you know, just absolutely no defense uh, when it comes to uh, protecting the paint, like, both second and third quarter, my goodness, the Jazz just kept on lighting us or kept lighting us up, and we had no answer back. And you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I believe it was over 50 before the uh, it, starters checked out. It was over 50 for much of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. It was like yeah. they, we could say that we lost by only 49. You know. Good job, but like, no, it was uh, a 50 point, point blowout for much mm-hmm. of the game. So, yeah, pretty much, yeah, I, I gotta say, one, one of the worst losses in terms of, you know, nothing that we could do just to answer back. And it felt like we really just gave up after the second quarter, to be honest, because that's when the Jazz kept on 
hitting all these shots, you know. Uh, same with the last half. We tried to start uh, making runs, and, you know, Jazz kept on coming back as well. And eh, you could, I guess, put it on all our defense as well. But, you know, this is one of the best uh, Western Conference teams in the eh, in the Western Conference. So, you know, you could make that argument. But, man, it, I don't think it should have been a 50-point blowout, to be honest. Uh, you've also didn't mention that uh, that the Jazz were without Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, or yeah, Mike <laughs> Conley. Like they didn't even have their best players out there and towards us. But I I was fortunate enough to miss the second quarter, which was when the game kind of uh, went out of hand. Kings did kind of make like a bit of a run in this third quarter, but like I mean at that point I had checked out. Like the reason why this is an well, I mean it's on it's an honorable mention for me, but like I I just remember I just checked out. I didn't really care afterwards. Like mm-hmm. to me, a lot like sure the Kings defense was terrible. What else is new? But like you know, I mean Jazz just hit shots. <laughs> like they just launched threes and they just kept going in. It's some of them were well contested, but like they just got hot and just kept you know just kept getting hotter. They just never cooled down. Mm-hmm. I guess you could also arguably say that we were we were also missing De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes, which could have attributed a little more. But you know, t- to what extent? To be honest, uh, with against this Jazz team, uh, we didn't we really didn't have anyone to guard you know the perimeter at all. And uh, yeah, other than that, I mean the issues. I mean the the king. I mean, this game kind of, I guess, accentuates the Kings' issues. So, I I mean, it would have made a bit of a difference if De'Aaron and Barnes played. But I don't. But this is much deeper than just Barnes and Fox. I don't think they would have made that big of a difference. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I'll go over my last game, which is against the Spurs on May 7th. Uh, I chose this game just particularly because uh, I felt like this was the one and uh only chance for us to get into the play-in team and, you know, or play-in tournament, excuse me. And, uh, you know, we played a really tough and hard, like, well-played uh, game throughout the first three quarters and, you know, just ran out of juice towards the end in the fourth. And, uh, yeah, I, I got to say it's one of the hardest losses to deal with because, like I said, it was, I would say, it was one of our only chances game like higher chances of getting into the play-in tournament unless you know all of a sudden the spurs uh started losing the next was it seven games i believe and we had to win the next we pretty much have to win the rest of the season as well to be honest yeah um i mean like i actually had this on one of my top five wins although i know it's a loss but like yeah. it, it was a good game. Like we fought them tough, and yeah, had we won this game, I think we, I think we ended up in the play-in because the Spurs were not exactly good after this game. I think they only won one more game after this, and you know, like we would have been right on their tail, and it would have been made it much more entertaining. Like even, well, it was a very entertaining and like tight, you know, end to the season. But like this would have made things a lot more interesting, and. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't consider this as big of a loss as like, you know, as like our top five. But like, yeah, it was a big loss in terms of just like, you know, in terms of stakes. 
Like this was the first real touch. This was like the biggest chance we had to get into the play-in tournament. And unfortunately, we just ran out of gas towards the end. Like DeLon Wright just couldn't hit shot down the stretch. And Buddy Heel was just being Buddy. Like, yeah, well, I mean, but we had chances and like we were right there. Um, and it was re- it was an amazing game. It was one of my favorite games of the entire season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much towards the fourth quarter, like DeJounte Murray just lit us up. Uh, during the last few minutes, uh, you know, both Lonnie and Murray just kept on hitting, you know, pretty much daggers and key points that uh, we couldn't answer back at all. And during that few minutes, all we did was score two points. And, uh, you know, we were only down by one at one point or during this point. And, yeah, it's just uh, we didn't have enough in us to uh, finish the game to, you know, bring it back. Yeah, you basically said everything. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, Lonnie Walker was, like, huge down the stretch, but I, I honestly didn't even know he was on the court. Um, <laughs> DeJounte Murray, though, like, yeah, he it's it's another one of those things that kind of, like, really puts a magnifying glass on what the Kings' issue are, issues are. Like, they just let DeJounte kept getting to, like, his spot. Like, at... Like, you know, at the beginning of, like, the fourth, he just kept getting. He just kept getting whatever the hell he wanted. Like, you know, at some point, like, run a double at him, something. Because he was lighting us up, and, you know, you just have to... You can't let guys get as comfortable as he did. And, like, at the final few possessions, we actually started guarding him pretty well, but he still hit him because he had just gotten into rhythm. And hopefully the Kings can, like, fix their defense next year. Like, you never know. But yeah, it's it's just those things that like makes me like kind of like say, man, if we had just done that differently, like imagine where we, we would be as a team. Mm-hmm. And that that's basically it for our, uh, you know, top five wins and top or top or bottom five losses. We're just going to call that. That's the consensus. Um, so yeah, um, hopefully you guys like that list that we just made. And, you know, if you guys have, uh, different opinions, feel free to send us an email at kingstherapypod at gmail.com. That's kingstherapypod at gmail.com. Otherwise, uh, we're going to, oh, actually I have some, uh, quick honorable mentions that I need to go over before we close this segment, but, uh, I, I have some honorable mentions, uh, Kings versus Wizards, uh, on three on March 17th. Now, we did win this game, which was nice. That, that's not bad. But it was the ugliest win possible in that I just uh, – it was, like, legitimately infuriating to watch the Kings, the Kings basketball down the stretch because, it, like, as I talked about, no movement on offense. It's one screen, and usually it's De'Aaron. Like, one screen and try and score a miss while the other three guys are just standing in the corner doing nothing. And, like – the I think we had like a eight point lead or something with like uh, two minutes to go, and we somehow the the game was tied like you know on the final possession, and De'Aaron hits this like tough tough uh, step back jumper to win the game, and I remember legitimately like just laughing out in frustration, just like the Kings do not deserve to win this game. I want them to lose this game, and I remember being legitimately kind of crossed like a little bit annoyed that like they actually won that game yeah i also forgot about this game but yeah mm, i don't 
it felt like we couldn't answer back at most times. I felt like I think it was especially during the fourth quarter, right? Yeah, I mean, like Russ, I think had six or so straight points. I'm, yeah, and then he tied it with a fast break layup. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I want the yeah. Kings to lose this one. Like it's just <laughs> they don't deserve to win, and but they did on a very on a again a tough, 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 tough jumper from De'Aaron. And yeah, I mean, it's good that they won, but like again, they didn't deserve to. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next honorable mention. Uh, you already well, this is actually the the other Sixers game uh, on March twentieth. This was a Sixers game where um, the Sixers didn't have Embiid or Simmons and then proceeded to get blown out because they just couldn't get their defense straight. I, I just remember, like, I remember hearing uh, Deuce and Mo after this game, uh, the Deuce and Mo podcast. They were, like, saying, yeah, we were expecting them to lose this one because something about the Kings, like, when a team is shorthanded against them, they, for some reason— like somehow think that you know they they're just gonna take it easy and still be able to win this game. I don't know where the hell that mentality comes from, but this was like picture perfect, like a picture perfect type of that game where you know King or 76ers were missing their two big, biggest stars and proceeded to just absolutely destroy us because for some reason we were underestimating them. Hmm. Actually, don't remember this game. Like, I don't think the... you watched. I don't think you watched it. I think this was one, another game you missed. Hmm. Yeah, looking at the box score, my gosh, Shake Milton and Danny Green hitting uh pretty well from the field. Of, of course, Tobias for some reason, twelve for eighteen. That's pretty great for him. Man, can you okay. give me what uh? Can you give me what Fox uh shot? Darren Fox. Let's see. Darren Fox shot five for fourteen. And the reason why is because Matisse Dybul, again, he's really the only guy in the league that I, I think can actually legitimately lock down De'Aaron Fox. And this, that he made De'Aaron work. I think those, the, the five buckets that he scored, none of them were on Matisse. Hmm. I see. Yeah. Uh, another honorable mention, uh, Kings versus Jazz uh, on April 28th. You talked about that one. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically it. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's uh, it's unfortunately a very negative episode because guess what? You got to even it out with those positive vibes. Um, yeah, hopefully by next season, the Kings kind of like, you know, iron out some of their issues that we've listed here. You know, just stagnant offense, defensive effort, and honestly, a sense of urgency in many of these games. Like they, a lot of these games, I felt like they had a chance to win. And like, but it was just the approach that they had just like, oh, we're going to take it easy and we're just going to play ourselves into rhythm or like, you know, our offense can carry us to a, to a win. No, you got to play a complete game every single game of the season. I know it's a grind an 82 game season, but that's what good teams can do. They can they come out ready like to kill the other team and just the Kings just didn't have it. And hopefully mm-hmm. they do by next season. Yeah, especially uh, since we're going to have actual training for once. And hopefully we space out the games. I I don't know. I haven't heard any news about that. If we're going to continue with the same, you know, back-to-back game type uh, schedules. I'm pretty sure they're going to space it out. Like, the reason why they did it this way this year is so that they could get back to normal next year. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, assuming that nothing crazy happens again, like, they're probably going to, um, you know, a full 82-game season. 
But honestly, I recommend sticking to a 72 and just space like for the rest of the for the rest of the history and just do it that way. There's too many damn games, man. Yeah, it really is. Okay, now on to um, the other half of the section. Um, well, yeah, other half. So uh, the playoffs. Um, it's been a while since we talked about the playoffs. An amazing amount has happened. Uh, so let, let's let's get the uh, housekeeping stuff out of the way. Uh, Jazz beat the Grizzlies. Um, anything you want to say about that? Uh, pretty expected. <laughs> I will say, though, Ja was really nice in the series. He just needs a little bit of help. And, like, you know, Jaron Jackson probably gets better next year, hopefully. And maybe that's the help he needs. But, yeah, Ja showed, like, man, he is he's really good. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see. Um, 76ers beat the Wizards. Talk about expected. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I literally have nothing else other than that. Yeah, they, they fought well, you know. But, you know, the fans fought back to all of a sudden. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, well, we're gonna have something to say about this one. New York loses, uh, four, uh, yeah, four-one against the uh, Atlanta Hawks, led by Trey Young. Yeah. To be honest, <laughs> I I thought New York would have a better fight, but you know they really fell off pretty quick. Yeah. Remember the uh, Julius Randle MVP talk? Like, man, talk about a fall from grace. Uh, yeah, that seemed eternities ago, but after seeing this, uh, you know, playoff uh, series, it, eh, <laughs> eh, eh. yeah, I just, I mean, like, I mean, it kind of exposed that. Well, I, I don't think exposed because I've been listening, I've been hearing a lot of this, but like, Knicks aren't a great offensive team. Like, they they make their money on defense, and they just could not stop Trey Young. Like, mm-hmm. for some reason, they just did not ever double him. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, granted, Trey is a really good passer, but, like, he's tiny. Just double him. He can't exactly pass over you. Like, uh, I don't know. But, I mean, this series has made me a fan of Trey Young it is the, my main takeaway from it. The way he has handled those fans, like, the way he smiled at a fan after a loss, like, where, of course, like, New York fans were talking shit to him. Like, just smiling at these idiots and just, like, taking it all in and just kind of essentially laughing in the face of these idiots like that that's that's beautiful like i feel a lot of players take this shit personally for some reason nowadays like just like get up all up in their feelings and say like well the fans shouldn't be acting this way trey young knows that fans act this way and he fucking loves it Mm -hmm. yeah i think he's gonna be a perfect heel in the east And yeah, apparently an, an amazing tra- trash talker, according to a lot of players. Yeah, he he's, I mean, <laughs> New York turned him into Reggie Miller. <laughs> like, he's the new Reggie Miller. Just the <laughs> way that he told, he shushed the crowd after that game one, perfect. Just, man, like, well, yeah, we need we need more heels like this in the NBA, and he's a perfect villain. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, it's made me a big fan of them. Just like, and also to kind of put the cherry on top of the Hawks beating them, to to have the audacity to bow in front of the MSG crowd, <laughs> just Man. perfect. Touche, Trey Young. Touche. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't get jumped. <laughs> I'm pretty honest. sure they wanted to, like yeah. you know, but you know, uh, Arena Security, I'm pretty sure has like up, been upped just because of like so many incidents already. So. Yeah, I yeah. want to see I want to see a Spike Lee versus Trey Young wrestling match right in the middle. Yeah, 
I don't know. That'd be pretty sad to just look <laughs> look at like you know look at uh, Spike Lee trying to fight somebody. That man old. Mm-hmm. And now, again, like I, I've said this before, like the fact that the Knicks were shit for so long and has kind of like you know James Dolan has more or less put his middle finger up to the fans. They're good. They're rem- they're kind of good for one season, and the Garden and you know M- Knicks fans just eat that shit up, like. Spike Lee was not allowed to come into the come into the garden last year. And he's out here in the front row cheering on his favorite team. Like, if you guys want change to happen, like, man, you guys gotta boycott these games. But I get it to a certain degree. But like, man, the, the like, you know, same old Knicks, same old fans. Like, they're always gonna love this team. And man, I mean the the Knicks fans, I gotta say, the probably like one of the loudest and probably the most loyal in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> also, the final thing before we move on, like shout out to Bogey for playing well in the playoffs. He hasn't shot well in particular, but he has made big shots. And you know, we've always heard about like, oh, he was a he was a big player in Euroleague in the playoffs. Like this mm-hmm. man is built for the moment, and it's finally good to see for him to have a national like audience watch him do this on you know a national stage. Yeah, it's great to see another Kings player. You know, seceding other than being with us in the Kings. But, you know, yeah, it's great to see that he's uh, doing a lot better uh, elsewhere. And hopefully he continues that way. Okay, well, moving on. uh, Nuggets beat the Clippers. Clippers. (laughs) Beat the Blazers. uh, Beat the Blazers in six games, 4-2. And, you know, I, I mean, I want to quickly shout out Damian Lillard for his Game 5 performance. Like, he was fucking insane down the stretch. And Denver, for whatever reason, does not believe in, in double-teaming Damian Lillard and get the ball out of his hands and make literally anyone else beat you. Or, you know, fouling up three. I don't know. Like, but everyone praises Mike Malone for being a good coach. I'm sorry. A good coach tells his team to either foul or double-team Damian Lillard. Instead, they let him do. They let him hit two, what, what could have been backbreakers, <laughs> to tie the game, like in in uh, regulation and OT. So, yeah, quick shout out to Dame. But yeah, Nuggets beat the Blazers with with like three of like their some of their most important players gone, like Jamal Murray gone, mm-hmm. um, or injured. I mean, Will Barton injured, PJ Dozier injured, like. Man, like to and like the Blazers are healthy except you know John, uh, I guess Zach Collins, but like Zach Collins hasn't been healthy for two years, so what the fuck were you expecting from him? Like, this is a healthy Blazers team, and they got essentially destroyed by Jokic and and the Nuggets. Like, at this point, like you gotta you gotta ask the question: Is it time to blow it up? Uh, yeah, I I gotta say so. I mean, I feel like you gotta choose between CJ and. Uh, Damien and I feel like DJ's got to go because I I feel like Damien is the centerpiece for the Blazers to be honest. Yeah, and uh, during the trade deadline, so I I heard this rumor. Well, I don't know if it's true, but I heard a rumor that apparently they were in the running for Aaron Gordon. Oh. But they but they didn't want to trade Anthony Simons for him. Huh, that's interesting. Wait, I'm one sorry. Uh, huh, go ahead. Wait, what kind of trade was this? With I have no son? clue. I have no clue, but like Anthony Simons was like the breaking point. Huh. Um, I just got to say, 
What the fuck? What is your obsession with small guards? Like, why? Anthony Simons is the guy you don't want to trade? Why? He's not that... I mean, he's all right. He's he's not the guy you don't trade Aaron Gordon for. What the fuck? And the fact that, you know, you, your issue is that you have too many small guards and not enough wings, and you trade for Norman Powell? Another 6'3 guard? Granted, like, they, they had to get rid of... I mean, well, I don't think they had to. They might as well have kept Gary Trent, but, like... For Norman Powell, like, what is this front office doing? And you know, well, and you know, let, let's talk about it now. Like they fired, well, they Terry Stotts resigned, but honestly, he got fired. Like, <laughs> what the fuck is Terry Stotts supposed to do with this roster? You have the, you have, you know, three small guards, or four small guards if you include Anthony Simons, and then like no real wings. Like your wings are Carmelo Anthony and. Uh, what's his face? Derrick Jones Jr., who, by the way, didn't even play, I think, in the final few games. Like, what is he supposed to do? Yeah, looking at their roster, it's it's pretty much, you know, hopefully Dame and CJ go off and, you know, the supporting gas just shoots uh, a very few points to keep it up. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's I feel like uh, if we're going to trade person i feel like trading and trade away the guards to be honest trade away cj for another big man or yeah another wing especially because there's no way Derek jones jr or carmel could you know maintain this uh teams uh in terms of defense and offense with the wings I, I, I erroneously refer to Carmelo Anthony as a wing. I mean, can't, I mean, size-wise, he's a wing, but really, he's a power forward at this point. Like, isn't That's it? That's true. Not really <laughs> like a wing anymore. But like, again, Anthony Simons is the guy you don't want to trade for Aaron Gordon. Like, what in the fuck is this front office doing? Like, I think this front office needs to get needs to be trashed for some of their decisions. Like. Mm-hmm. Again, it's unfortunate that Terry Stotts is gone now. Like, I don't think this is his fault. Like, again, I don't know what in the hell he was supposed to do with this roster. And, yeah, and a quick quick one. Like, you know, Kings, Kings fans, Terry Stotts is available. Like, they were all clamoring, like, to fire Luke and, you know, hire Terry Stotts. What do you think? Mm, nah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, that's where I stand. I just think, like, switching coaches again, I just don't think is the answer. And Terry Stotts is, is a nice coach. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I mean, I want to see what Luke can do. I think, I, I'm okay with sticking with Luke on this mm-hmm. one. Yeah, may, maybe in the future if, you know, things don't pan out. But, you know, I'll, I'll keep him in the West, I guess you could say. Okay, well, moving on. Suns beat the Lakers in, uh, honestly, a pretty shocking upset, in my opinion. I was shocked when this happened. Yeah, I think I remember watching the last game and was like, oh, well, there's no AD. He he went out, what, within five minutes, right? He should not have been out there. And I get why no. he wanted to play, but, like, mm-hmm. man, he should not have been out there. And, you know, I, I mean, the I mean, the... The story of the series is that, like, yeah, no AD. <laughs> like, you know, all the credit in the world for, uh, for, uh, from the Suns for taking advantage. But, I mean, this series kind of boiled down to um, K- AD being injured. Like, if he's mm-hmm. not injured, I think the I think the Lakers 
pretty handily beat the Suns because if you look back at game three, they were like, it, it looked bad for the Suns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Game, what was it? Well, last game, which is game, was it five? Six. Six, sorry. Uh, it seemed like, uh, you know, the whole Lakers team also didn't play really too well. Uh, only up until, like, the fourth quarter. Um, of course, you know, we had Marc Gasol out there, which didn't, didn't do anything. I, I wish he shot more, which, and he only attempted one shot and missed. Kyle Kuzma was atrocious. Uh, Montrezl Harrell uh, didn't play much, of course. Alex Caruso didn't play well or much as well. Yeah, I felt like it was it wasn't a Lakers game when I watched it. It was more I don't know how to explain it. I mean, it kind of just wasn't their night, and I guess the nerves got to Kuzma. <laughs> he just was he was not good. <laughs> and you know, I, I mean, I want to spotlight LeBron a little bit. Man, it was rough just to watch him just straight up give up towards the end. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to keep bringing this up, but like, Michael Jordan wouldn't have wouldn't have given up the way he did. He literally just stopped playing defense. There was poor KCP. Like, there was one play where I I forgot. I don't. I okay. I think LeBron. I think KCP was guarding one of the shooters. I think it was Devin Booker or something. And like, and. Uh, LeBron is guarding, I think, Chris Paul, and for no reason, he tells he tells KCP to switch, and then LeBron doesn't guard whoever KCP was guarding, and that and that guy hits a three. Just stopped playing defense, and then there was another play where KCP is rotating out to the shooter, and like th- so, then the shooter passes to the next next guy and lebron is right there he doesn't even take a, a single step towards the guy leaving kcp to play monkey in the middle with these two and the guy hits the three like lebron straight up gave up this game and i'm sorry mj doesn't do this kobe doesn't i know kobe had like game seven against phoenix in 06 or i think 07 but like not in this way where you just straight up give up and like one possession where I I guess he got fouled on a layup and did not appear on the screen for I shit you not like 10, 15 seconds just mm-hmm. arguing with the ref walking up walking up like walking up the court like that man it was ugly to watch yeah especially for LeBron going I think what this is the first time of him going out in the first round I correct, believe yeah correct yeah, yeah. Yeah, see him going on the first round, especially uh, with this Lakers team. Yeah, it's pretty surprising. Uh, of course, you know, Devin Booker re- played a really good game uh, in the game six. Yeah, all the credit in the world to them for taking advantage. But like, you know, you, you, I mean, I, I know I just shit on LeBron a lot. But I, I mean, honestly, had, had he not been injured, had AD not been injured, I think this is like Lakers in six or Lakers in five. Like, mm-hmm. but you know, it's it's just ugly to watch, and yeah, I mean, a credit in the words of the Suns, they took advantage. Yeah, you know, as a Kings fan, we want the Lakers to lose, and you know, we gotta keep our fellowship with the Sun Kings. Yeah. Uh, quickly <laughs> before we move on, I mean, Kenny Caraway throughout throughout this trade idea. Now, it wouldn't be a one for one, but would you trade Buddy for Coos? No. no. Really? 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 I don't know. Kuzma? I don't, I don't know about that. I know he had a bad game this game. I would do it. 
I actually would say Kuz. It would be Kuz and something else. It's going to have to be, yeah. But, like, I would say Kuz. I think Kuz is a good player. Hmm. I guess depending on who the other player is, I, I will. I would do I would do a one for one if it was possible. Honestly, I think this solves a lot of the issues no. about both teams. If we could do a one for one, actually, yeah, that that'd be pretty interesting. We get the cap space and we could sign more pointers. Yeah, I mean, I, I, just... I think I think Kuz is a lot better than you think. He, I know he's overrated, definitely mm-hmm. by Lakers fans, but I think he's good. And I think he would help. I think he would help the Kings a lot. You know, I and I'm you know blasphemous to say this. I think he would help more than Buddy, honestly. Yeah, uh, that's to be honest, that's very true. <laughs> uh, and you wouldn't trade Buddy for him, so that that's where we are. Mm-hmm. Anyways, moving on. Uh, so Nets uh, did beat the Celtics five uh, one. I think we talked about it last episode i don't remember but they just today they just beat the bucks without harden yesterday sorry they beat the bucks without harden what do you think so far uh to be honest i i feel it's pretty expected i to be honest i thought uh Giannis would have a more of a fight in him but uh you know i gonna expect the nets to win in huh I would say six games. Yeah, I'm I'm on that boat as well. I, you know, Dave Dufour, I love this guy. He's on, you know, he's the guy that got me into the athletic. You know, great podcast host. He said he said the Bucks were gonna sweep or win in five. Okay. I'm sorry, Dave. What the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> like, I I get it. Nets don't play defense, and Bucks do play defense. But like I'm, it's this is just like kind of making me think more and more. Defense is overrated. <laughs> when you have two, well, honestly, they should have three. Like just go, you know, out of this world scores that the Nets have. Like, who cares about defense? In in the because in the playoffs, it's about being able to make shots. You can play good defense. You can play great defense. If you can't score, it doesn't mean shit. Mm-hmm. So like yeah I'm 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 all, I'm with you on this one Nets and six oh yeah if even honestly like honestly Nets and six even without Harden is like how like how I'm feeling about this because the Bucks just can't score they can't generate easy buckets against the Nets it's weird yeah it's it is kind of weird I wonder uh, you know what the Bucks answer will be in game two but. Uh, I thought it was going to be much. I feel like Chris Middleton's going to have to really step up along with Drew Holiday. But other than that, there's no way you could stop KD and there's no way you could stop Kyrie. And I don't know um, when James Harden's coming back, but if he does come back, there's no way. <laughs> well, hopefully the Bucks' plan is not to shoot six for 30 from three. Like that, That's a good start, but... We shall yeah. see. They're not exactly a good three-point shooting team is, an, is another problem that they have. Yeah. So, you know. I actually didn't know Giannis started shooting more threes starting this season. He's, all, he's been doing that since last year. It's just like, I mean, if I'm the defense or the other side, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, Go just, for it. Go for it, young fellow. Just let it fly. Like, you're, it means that you're not going to the rim, which is, by the way, he's destroying, like, Blake Griffin <laughs> going to the rim. Like, mm-hmm. he honestly should do it more, but, like, I mean, like, he needs, he, 
I mean, I'm I'm okay with him shooting threes. Is my point. I know he's two for five, but it's not like I mean, the two are like wide open, and I'm pretty sure the Nets are like, okay, yeah, cool. Yep. I mean, as long as you know DeAndre Jordan's not back in and you know disrupting something. <laughs> I don't think he played. Yeah, he didn't play this game. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm surprised they cut them out. I mean, he's he's not good anymore. He hasn't been good since like his last year with the Clippers. I don't know why people keep thinking he's a defensive player. Um, anyways, um, moving on to our last part about the playoffs. Uh, Clippers beat the Mavs in Game Seven. Yay! <laughs> I mean, it's no, just. I... I mean, I'm I'm glad that the Clippers won, just because like man. If, if they had lost this game, like how w- the floodgates would be open. But like, man, yeah. Luca showed out 46 points, 14 rebound. Or, no, 14, 14 assists. Wow. 46 points and 14 assists and seven rebounds. Jesus. Yeah. A, a really great game for Luca. And I'm, to be honest, I'm surprised uh, the Clippers just, uh, you know, took them this far that i mean like it's i mean it's it's a one-man show like you know mm-hmm. congratulations mavericks you guys are going to be paying kp 40 million a year going forward good luck with that uh but i mean the clippers overall all have more talent but man luca was amazing this series mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah that's basically all i have i mean like it's just it's just all offense. For, like, I don't know why the Clippers struggled as much as they did. Like, even when Paul George was on Luka, it didn't matter. Like, the only guy who had any semblance of success was Kawhi. And, like, it's not like he did an amazing job on Luka either. Like, mm-hmm. again, Luka is, is you know, a, a top a top three player, like, going forward. And, you know, <laughs> hopefully they don't play the Clippers again next year because, honestly, I think, like, any other team he would have absolutely destroyed mm-hmm. but, yeah other than that yeah that's it for the playoffs um okay well this is a long episode but we're uh, we're in the final part of the podcast now and we're going to quickly talk about the wwe releases um so uh, this i forgot what day this was <laughs> we've been meaning to record this episode for a while but um among the names or Buddy Murphy. I, was, I don't know why I was about to say Blake Murphy. Oh, that's a journalist. That's why. Buddy Murphy, Santana Garrett, Ruby Riot, Lana, Alistair Black, and Braun Strowman. Choo choo. <laughs> let's uh, choo. Yeah, let's uh, let's get this train started. Um, so let, let let's start with the least surprising to the most surprising because I want to save Braun for the last. But of course, uh, Santana Garrett. Um. I'll be honest, I, I didn't know much about her. I, I know she was in the Women's War Rumble, and that's it. Like, I know she was also, like, an NXT, but I don't think she did anything. Like, it's not, I don't know, it's, it wasn't that surprising, or it didn't hit me that hard that she was released. Uh, You know, knowing me, uh, avid, you know, the watcher, you know, quote-unquote. Uh, yeah, I have no idea who she is, to be honest. Yeah, um, I mean, she, the chances are she's going back to Impact, but we'll see. I, I mean, like, you know, hopefully she does well. Like, if you're talented enough to get to WWE, you got options. And 
I imagine she's going to have options like Impact or, you know, AEW. But mm-hmm. Honestly, AEW is getting a little too stacked. I don't know if they need everybody. Like, AEW got to figure out what they got first, I think, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. uh, Ruby Riot, um, well, actually, yeah, Ruby Riot would be the next least surprising. She hasn't been used much, I don't think. Like, she's been stuck in the Riot Squad for a while, but they haven't done anything. Like, what were your thoughts when you heard that name? Uh yeah i mean i thought she uh, they utilized her somewhat before but recently i, I don't remember what she's uh like you know going or doing in terms of story wise to be honest uh, other than that I, don't know. I mean another average wrestler and i don't know in terms of story i don't even remember much from her I would rip you for not knowing uh, much about what she's done lately, but I can't because she really hasn't done much. She re she reunited with Liv Morgan. That's about it. Like other than that, not much mm-hmm. has been done. There was an interesting uh, interview that Liv Morgan did uh, with I believe it was Stephanie Chase uh, pretty recently, like literally on the day. Like, she was, like, saying, I'm really excited to be able to do more Riot Squad stuff. Like, I have a bunch of ideas that I'm going to pitch to creative. And later that day, Ruby Riot was released. Ah, I see. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. Like, it's just, I mean, it's just kind of, like, random at the same time. Like, not unexpected, but at the same time, they have, like, no women's tag teams. Like, their women's division is, like dead in the water right now i think mm-hmm. like there just isn't much going on it's like you know the the tag team division like there's i think two teams left now that lana's gone as well we'll get to her but like yeah, there's no tag teams like the women's division itself like you know uh R- rhea ripley isn't doing much like i know she's a champion but it's not really like connecting or anything and on the other side who's the who's the smackdown women's champion Bianca Belair, like, she's just facing Bailey. Like, it seems like to be in a infinite loop right now. So, man, the the WWE Women's Division is not doing well. NXT, I mean, NXT is a little better, but, like, you know, it's... They're definitely in the mud right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one, Lana. Um, wow, I, did, I don't know why. I just did not expect her to be released because part of me thinks, like, WWE just wants to hold on to her for some reason I, I can't really put my finger on it to be honest mm, I, don't, I don't know maybe uh it'll be it's gonna be a good thing because you know rusev's in aw right that's what i was about to say i was like do they want her to jo- like i mean I, I imagine she's gonna go to aw like i mean miro her, her new, his new name's miro by the way if you didn't know right oh uh, uh, yeah but like it's just I don't know. I just thought they, because like the reason why they re-signed her was like, well, I was actually shocked that she re-signed in the first place. But like I thought they were just gonna hang on to her for some reason. I just never figured out why. But for some reason, this was actually surprisingly shocking to me. Hmm. Uh, I mean, like I said, I don't know what's going on in WWE right now. So, why is she wrestling uh, currently? I mean, she's, she was in a tag team with Naomi. That was about it. Oh. That, she was doing something last December, but ever since, not much at all. I see. Okay, uh, before I talk about him, do you actually know who Buddy Murphy is? No. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, avid WWE supporter right here. Uh, Buddy Murphy, he hadn't been on TV for a while, actually. Like, and even when he was on TV, he was very, he had very sporadic, um, sporadic stints where like he would be on TV, be in a storyline, and then disappear for months, and and then just like randomly, just um, yeah, when everyone got released, he wasn't, he wasn't within those names. I see. Oh well, searching up Buddy Murphy. Um, yeah, I remember seeing him once in a while. I don't remember. He is, like... he is a wrestler, by the way. Yes. Yeah, he is. You know. <laughs> yeah, no. But uh, what should I call it? I haven't I haven't seen too much like Wom stinks from him actually. Um, I mean, he was like in in a group with Seth Rollins, and he was involved with a. Uh... Mysterio's daughter. That was a very weird storyline. Um, and then just disappeared. That, and like he, this is one of those guys where like there's a lot of talent there. Like he's an amazing wrestler. Like he carried that cruiserweight division for a while, and then I guess he upgraded to the main roster, and ever since then just hasn't done much. Again, was involved in prominent storylines, but again would just randomly disappear for months. And yeah, it's just kind of weird and yeah hopefully he gets to go wherever he wants there i mean there's rumors like saying he's probably going to AEW because he really wants to face kenny omega and omega really wants to face him too Ooh, that'd be interesting yeah to be honest every time you hear someone going up to your main roster it's it's really bad most of the time when it when it comes down to uh maintaining like story or you know maintaining like yeah be a really long plot, I guess you could say. Yeah, they've. I mean, the main roster. Like, I'm pretty sure it's a lot of Vince and probably like main roster creative. They just keep fucking up, guys. I don't know how they keep doing it. Like Keith Lee was a home run. So they fucked that up. Um, Bobby Roode. Like, how did you fuck that one up? And who who else was another? Uh, well, like. I can't think off the top of my head, but like, man, so many like fuck ups. Like, I don't know what it is, and it just doesn't seem to be getting any better. And I don't think it will get any better until um, Vince McMahon steps down, aka dies, because he will never step down. Yeah, it's always the sad fat. Speaking of another botched NXT call up, Alistair Black, <laughs> just what? They, by the way, they just started a storyline with him, literally. Like, literally just started a bunch of, like, promos for him, and all of a sudden, he's released. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really surprising. Wait, so did they have a reason why? Or is they, it... So the the official reason is budget cuts. Are you kidding me, really? And, like, the, the idea, and we'll get to Braun Strowman, he's, like, the biggest one, but, like... A, they're, they might be gearing up for something big. We don't know what that is yet, but that is some something down the line is probably going to happen. But again, we don't have like we can only speculate right now. There's nothing really out there. But Alistair Black, like another botched um, call up, like they they called him up to the main roster for no reason basically. Well, we know the reason why, but they fucked it up. <clears throat> was in a ricoch- was in a tag team with Ricochet, and then all of a sudden just. <clears throat> was it, after WrestleMania, just disappeared for months. And then was just doing these promos that led to nothing for months, and then randomly wrestles Cesaro and wins, and then nothing. And then I think he got injured, and was, and then he was involved with Seth Rollins, 
after Seth Rollins just randomly, again, disappeared for months. And his wife actually had a weird um, thing with WWE where um, Theo Trinidad, which is Zelina Vega, if you know who she is, um, Zelina Vega got into big trouble with WWE because she wouldn't close her Twitch account. So, like, there was speculation, like, oh, he's probably going to be released soon, too, but he ended up not getting released until now. And, yeah, now I don't know where... Alistair Black is going to go. I would say AEW, but as as I've mentioned, it they just have too many guys right now. Like they they got to they got to find a way to actually work with what they have right now. And I think like maybe he can try Ring of Honor or maybe Impact or hell, go back to the British scene maybe even. Yeah, that'd be pretty nice to see why other uh, factions, you know, growing since, you know, AEW and WWE are starting to, you know, well, AEW especially is starting to grow and hopefully, you know, create more stories out of what they have. And WWE, I have, shoot, I have no idea what they're doing. But yeah, that'll be uh, interesting to see uh, other uh, like Ring of Honor and Impact and maybe New Japan pick up some of these guys back and uh, grow their own, you know, little stories. Mm-hmm. You know, as you mentioned, New Japan, he could probably be a mega heel in New Japan with all his tattoos. <laughs> you know, you know they don't like tattoos over there. So yeah, yeah, that'd be a fun little idea. Um, yeah, I totally forgot about New Japan. Um, that'd be a that'd be an interesting option. Mm. Um, yeah, we'll see what he does. But the main event, just like I could not believe his name was in. I thought it was a mistake. I thought I thought I was going crazy, but Braun Strowman was just released. Like, what was your first thoughts when you saw that name, the Braun, the Braun and the Strowman? I thought I thought he was a money maker, I, but I guess for however much he's getting paid for, it's not worth it to them. Gee, like I mean, who doesn't want a big, burly, strong man? You know, wrestling and fighting all these guys in like two-minute matches, and hearing that choo-choo train going in and out. So the the reports that I've read from, I guess the dirt sheets. Mm-hmm. Like they but they basically said that Strowman had a very thick contract, like upwards of a million dollars a year, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a lot in WWE. And yeah, like apparently he kind of irked some people in the front office when like he basically when the, he was renegotiating his contract uh, at the end of 2019, I think. But somewhere in 2019, he apparently held out until like the very end, until WWE kind of buckled and said, all right, we'll give you your money. And that apparently has like, again, irked some front office officials. And like they've always they've been on a contentious they have they've had a contentious relationship for a while. And apparently people close to the situation said they were not surprised by the release but coming from the outside, like, man, I could not believe it. He was just in the main event of Backlash. Like, he, like, he, again, he's a prominent figure in, in, uh, on TV and just out of nowhere, literally, just release Braun Strowman? Yeah, I have no idea what he's thinking or gonna plan on, uh, happening after this but you know it better be good because they just lost quite a few like i would say uh you know pay-per-view ready type stars 
in the roster. And, uh, yeah, I just want to quickly kind of, sh- I guess, shout out Braun. Like, I love 2017 Braun. Like, that was the best Braun. Like, during that stretch when he was beating up Roman Reigns. And, <laughs> yeah. Like, of SummerSlam 2017 was peak Braun. Like, that match, the main event of that match was amazing. Him essentially ragdolling Brock for much of the match, like, that was amazing. And it's unfortunate, and it's only gone downhill since, and... Like, honestly, he hasn't been, like, great on social media either. Like, it's he's not the most, like, nicest guy ever. But, like, again, just a big star like him. Like, a legitimate star. Like, you know, WWE doesn't have many of them anymore. And just to see, like, just to see him release, like, it really, I guess no one is safe other than the top of the top, like, Roman Reigns and Charlotte Flair and... Man, again, this one was just, like, shocking beyond all belief. I was just like, this has to be a typo. Twitter's got to be trolling me. But then all of a sudden I see everyone else tweeting about it. I'm like, holy shit. (sighs) Yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you think he's going to end up on? Because, like you said, AEW's getting pretty full now. Um, Yeah, I think I've read somewhere that he teased... Uh, that he's coming back to somewhere, but he didn't specify where. Um, just speculation. Like again, I, I imagine he would probably end with AW, but again, too stacked of a roster. I would have, I would recommend him. I would think he would tr- maybe try out New Japan. New Japan would be nice. Like mm-hmm. Impact, if they can afford him. Like, you know, they could use a guy like him. Um, other than that, I, do- I don't know what's next for him. Like there, there's he's actually talking about just getting back into bodybuilding and becoming a strong man, or you know, continue training to be a strong man. So maybe he just leaves wrestling altogether. Like he's got options. Like again, when you make the WWE, you're a talented guy and you've got something and you have options. And mm-hmm. Braun has all the options you know available to him. It just depends on what he's gonna take. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it for the WWE news. Uh, other than that, I mean, WWE's been pretty awful lately, so I don't, don't exactly feel like talking about them too much. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully at some point Fong does watch WWE so we can actually talk more about it, but we'll, we'll see when that day comes. We've run pretty damn long, so we're going to definitely kind of call it an episode here. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can get you two episodes next week, but... Ah, man, with the schedule the way it is, like, with I mean, with our schedule the way it is, it's just tough to record two times a week. And, you know, I guess they're not being a game. It's just it's hard to do that. And uh, mm-hmm. well, we'll try our best and see if we can, you know, find the gap in our schedule to be able to record two episodes. But if not, we'll definitely be trying to get at least one out. Yeah, hopefully if that's the case with the two episodes, it'll be. A lot shorter than what we're doing right now, of course. Yeah. Are you it's, tired? Uh, a little bit. I mean, how long has this been going on so far? I I can't. I didn't keep it's track. About, it's close to two hours. So, yeah, it's yeah. been a long time. But you know, again, we'll try to come come out with two episodes. And yeah, um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. And yeah, give us your thoughts. Uh, send send us an email again. Kings Therapy Pod at gmail dot com. Like. You know, what were your thoughts on some of these WWE releases? What were your, some of your thoughts on the playoffs? What, what were your picks for the top, the bottom worst 
of Kings losses in the 2021 or 2020-2021 season. Yes, we want to hear your guys' opinion. And I guess we'll see you guys next time.